Why don't you two put your heads together and make an ass out of yourselves, huh? You are listening to Aftershock with Steve Grillo. Come on, dude. Really? Well, today is going to be a very interesting day for me. As many people know, I've worked on Howard Stern for a good seven years. I've met every celebrity across the board. There's only a couple of times that I have met somebody that I really am blessed and honored to be in their presence that really takes me back and makes me go, holy crap, I can't believe I'm talking to this person. You know, uh, two perfect examples for me because I'm such a Star Wars geek was Mark Hamill and Ewan McGregor. Like, those moments, meeting those people were like iconic moments in my life. The little tiny little blip of a person and the glimpse of the universe, I, you know, those special moments always stand out. And uh, today is one of those moments. This means so much to me right now because the person that is on the phone is one of my iconic people that brings me back to my childhood and one of the most talented, incredible, gifted rappers ever to grace this human race. And uh, I'm so excited. I'm kind of shaking right now. Uh, MC Search is on the phone. Grillo, what up, man? That, that's, uh, that's high praise, bro. No, like I feel like Nicolas Cage. I mean, that's high praise. No, it, it, talking I, about Luke Skywalker and uh, and you and McGregor and Search. There seems to be some sort of disconnect there, brother. But I appreciate it, man. I, I equally am a big fan of yours. I'm a stern super fan, so I know all about the uh, gorilla, Gorillo, and uh, it's, it's also a pleasure to talk to you, brother. That you don't understand how that freaks me out. Like you know, there's only like. There's few times where, like, you know, like, or like, I, like when I met the guys from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, I'm a huge fan, but they were also huge Stern fans. So when I have someone like you that knows who I am, it freaks me the fuck out. <laughs> well, listen, you were definitely memorable on, on that show for the seven years that you were on it. I, I think as many people are, like, you know, I, I was able to scratch something off my bucket list uh, because... I was able to actually call in and actually speak to Howard and make him laugh that legitimate snort laugh. So I was like, I, right. you know, I made Howard laugh. Yeah, I can't believe I can you. Write that's, that off my bucket list. That's, and now I can uh, talk to Grillo and, and write that off on my bucket that's, list. That's that's so, uh, kind of fresh. I'm I'm bugging out right now, bugging, like Lucille Ball. So you're bugging, uh, you're flipping, flipping, you're bugging, huh? Flipping. <laughs> so uh, you know, I I I went to uh, Nazareth High School, and it was so cool because. Like in Nazareth, by the time I was there, it was predominantly black. And you guys were so big at my school. Like people were, were you know, doing the high top fade, you know, no need for a blonde streak. You know, like, you, you... yeah, no, 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 definitely no need for a blonde streak. You know, it was real. I mean, obviously it, it was really amazing. The, the effect that we had on the five boroughs, um, because for me, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, like the big thing for me was I went to the day that our record came out, I went to see my homeboy in Redfern Projects in Far Rockaway and he had my cassette in his hand and I had a record for him in my car and he was like, yo, I bought this. Like I went to Sam Goody and bought it. And to me, like I was done, like that my man understanding, like went and bought my tape. Like, that's all I really cared about. Like, everything after that was icing. As long as people in Far Rockaway in my hood, like, heard my, my shit, I was good. So, 
everything that rippled after that, the boroughs and outside of the boroughs, I mean, to the point where, you know, Ice Cube talks about, you know, the reason he came to New York to do America's Most Wanted wasn't to work with Public Enemy, but was to work with our producer, Sam Sever, and have that well, sound. That, yeah, Sam Sever gave it the first light. In LA. <laughs> yeah, you so, know, and um, Dr. Dre being influenced by our beats and Compton's, Compton's Most Wanted on their first single, one time gaffled me up in the second saying that got pulled over by the cops bumping the cactus and you know performing in front of you know 130,000 people in Wembley and you know it's just the ripple that kind of went beyond Far Rockaway was you know it was it was, it was mind-blowing it was really you know it's a very humbling moment um, to kind of be able to say 30 years later people still you know, in some aspects, respect and, and love what we did. And it's, you know, it's really amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, it was, but it, it was, it was it, for you though. I mean, people must come up to you and go Grillo. Holy shit. I remember that one time that yeah, you went fucking, but it, you know, it's and, never you know. anything as interesting as your, sh your shit. It's always something embarrassing, but, um, you know, yeah, but no, for I'm, us, I'm sure. for us being, you know, we're, we're I, I grew up in Canarsie and, you know, uh, Nazareth, you guys were just across the water. And it was like, it was like almost like one of us kind of made it. And you guys were so hardcore, mm -hmm. legit. It wasn't like Vanilla Ice or anything where it was some bubblegum, like, rap shit. You guys were fucking real. And, and it's just like, and you spoke, like, the words on some of your songs are just like like product of the environment, man. That That's such a hardcore, real, well-written song, you know? Like, well, that one lyric where you were yeah. like, you know, like, you know, my, my, my dad's, you know, tired, worn, worked in 9 to 5, clocking 30 Gs a year to survive. And, you know, like, and then there's a kid on the corner making 30,000, you know, a week fucking making, selling fucking crack. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, it's it's funny. I uh that's one of my favorite verses because it's true. Um my father when he worked for the Boy Scouts and he worked for the Boy Scouts, he was actually a professional Boy Scout in New Utrecht district in Brooklyn. So that was Canarsie, Bensonhurst, um, all of those surrounding areas. You know, my father made thirty five thousand a year working for the Boy Scouts and doing community service. And my homeboy Tommy Mickens he was clocking that a month, probably a week. You know what I'm saying? Like he was making that a month. So when I said uh, that lyric, you know, some, I don't know how many years later in 2009, I was doing a TV show for Universal Television and they interviewed my mom and my dad and my mom just started spitting that lyric, um, you know, as one of her favorite rhymes, may she rest in peace and, and like, it was, you know, it was really one of those things where we, we lived a lot of the things that we saw and those lyrics expressed a lot of the things that we were living with being B-boys in New York City, not just even being, you know, white kids or black kids or, you know, Hispanic kids, but, you know, there was B-boys and B-girls and you could be whatever color as long as you were, you know, a B-boy and a B-girl and you knew the difference between, you know, Stevie B and fucking Noel and fucking Public Enemy and Eric B and Rakim. Like, and you knew the difference, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, you know, and that was the other cool shit that people always, like, fail to realize that for every, you know, for, so Canarsie and then you had Canarsie and then you had Brownsville and you had this segregated areas all through Brooklyn, but then you had like Empire Roller Rink. Yeah, oh my God, wow, yeah. Play, yeah, 
they would play Stethosonic, but they would also play Noel, and they would play Sweet Sensation, but then they would also play Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, you know, and it was like a thing where, like, in even, like, United States of America in Queens, where, like, you'd have, like, the dance period where the Guidos and the Joey yeah. Bag of Donuts and the, <laughs> I, and the I hated those phrase, people with a passion. <laughs> But then you'd have the hip-hop time, and then the, the B-boys would go back out. You know what I mean? So it was like this great back and forth. And, you know, if you were a B-boy, you know, there was a part of the culture that you represented. And, you know, one of our DJs, when I went solo, DJ Riz is from Canossi. And you know, that's so funny. Bill, my, my, Bill, one, of my, Necro. one of my friends from uh, high school, because I was excited when I found out, you know, you were coming on. I was calling, like, all my old school, like, hip-hop guys. And... He goes, uh, talk about DJ Riz, man. He's from Canarsie. I Because my friend used to dance exactly for him, right. you know? Yeah, no, nah, Riz, Riz and Crooklyn Clan and all of that. But yeah, so Riz, Riz and DJ Eclipse were my two DJs when I went solo. And if I didn't meet Riz, I never would have met Ill Bill and Necro. And I never would have created nonfiction with Ill Bill. And, you know, and, and Gore-Tex, Medina, my homeboy was from Canarsie. So there was like all of this you know, swirl around the five boroughs and as big as the five boroughs were, it was really small when you talked about hip hop because there were so few records coming out back in those days and there was so few, so little music coming out that no, we knew everything. No everything content. Was fused together, you know? Yeah, you know, you, you messed me up because... Uh, you know, and you're not only you're a you know a talent lyric, lyricist and a great rap artist, but your creative side, like what you did with all the, you know, every song that you had had something else put into it, like so, like you know, Peace Frog from the Doors. I I didn't know like the mm -hmm. first time I heard it, like for real when I became a Doors fan later on in life. I'm like, that's their bass. Wait, you know, because it didn't 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 like you sampled. You're like the first to take other songs and put it in your song and make it better. No one was doing well, that. Well, I think what I think what you mean by that because I think there was people doing that before us in terms of James Brown and Ohio players and Parliament Funkadelic, but what we did and when I say we I mean Sam, Pete, myself, Prince Paul, even the Bomb Squad. You know, for us it was about like okay, like as much as I loved Ohio players and as much as I loved like that shit like, I also loved The Cure. I also loved The Smiths. I also loved Morrissey. I also loved The Talking Heads. Like, I also loved, you know, Gary Wright. I, you know, so we would put all of that because we thought that shit was funky as fuck. Like, yo, that fucking door shit was funky as fuck. Yeah. And like that Tom Waits shit that we did, that riffing shit, you know, that, oh, yeah. I got so much soul coming out my asshole. I played that for you know, my nephews when we they were like. It was funky as fuck. Well, I played like that with my nephew. It was funky. It was uh, they they were like ten years old and twelve years old, and I, I was driving around with them, and I put the Cactus album on, and they fucking thought that was so funny. They got so coming out my asshole, and uh, to this day I still play and Tom it. Tom Waits hated us, man. Yo, fucking hated. How us. high were you when you everything. recorded that? Oh, I was fucking. I was. I was definitely. I must have smoked like four blunts, but also we were up to like you know we were up. I think. 17, 18 hours in the studio non-stop. Wow. So Sam was just fucking around on the Akai, on the MPC, and he just, you know, started looping that. And Kevin Reynolds, who was at the board, 
And I just felt it. And I just went in and I had never heard Tom Waits. I never heard his voice. I, all I heard was that boom, 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 boom. And yeah. it felt like some Delta blue shit. So I was already in the zone anyway. And I was like, Oh, and I was a little bit of a boy, little bit of a boy. I was blessed with soul. You know, and, um, Tom Waits thought we were dissing him. No way. That's and, um, like, and, oh, he sued us hard. Really? Karate. <laughs> How many lawsuits yeah, came a, out of Calcus album? <laughs> oh, B. Let's put it this way. Um, I have never seen a royalty check. Oh, my God. Ever. Fuck. Shit. 30 years. I found, it's, fun, it's funny. I was just telling somebody this. I <laughs> finally got a statement from Universal Music Group three weeks ago. I said, oh, we have money for you. I'm like, really? Where the fuck did that come from? And how long have you been holding that? Yeah. So now we're like, you know, doing a forensic audit and all this inside baseball shit. But it's like, I've never seen a royalty statement. That's how many lawsuits there were. I, I've never seen a royalty statement. I've I, never seen a royalty check. Never seen a publishing check. But you did get a box, of Puma Schmerz, a box of Newports and Puma Sweats, though, right? That all all the time. Russell was great for uh, a box of Newports and some Puma sweats. Nice, not nonstop. Because uh, well, yeah. did you get a lot of crap for all the shit you sampled? I think it wasn't that we got a lot of crap for it. It, it was that there was no concept of sample clearance because there was no industry that established sample clearances and what that meant logistically. So we felt like, oh, you could sample whatever you want. You know, it doesn't matter. Like, there's no copyright, you know, there's no copyright infringement here. Like, we're not doing anything wrong. We're paying homage. Yeah. We didn't fucking know. We didn't know. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, you sample like 10 songs on one record, like, motherfuckers want to get paid. Yeah. You know, uh, and that starts to leak into other songs. And, you know, like, you know, then we find out, oh, you only get paid on 10 songs. An album's only 10 songs. Anything over 10 songs dilutes the 10 songs. Well, fucking Cactus album's like 24 songs. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, uh, Derelicts was like 23 songs. That's another That's great I album. I, I love, like, yeah. Those, those are two on my, they're definitely on my top five of all time greatest albums ever. And I'm serious. And uh, I want to play, you know, I, I, my little radio station uh, show is like starting to grow. I'm actually starting to get some sponsors. The one sponsor uh, we have is uh, Versteiner Beer. And um, I know you have a Kickstarter you're trying to get a book out. And um, we're going to play a little game in a little, you know, when the, when the guy gets here, because uh, they're going to donate some money to your Kickstarter. For, uh, if, if I, uh, you can, uh, we're going to play Stump the Grillo. So if you come out with a lyric and I can't finish it, they're gonna donate a hundred dollars to your Kickstarter thing, and we we can go and have some fun with that. And I also have a um a, a, a another sponsor we're gonna talk about in a little while. But um I I don't know if everybody else knows this, but you're responsible for one of the biggest rap uh, artists out there right now, and that's Nas. That you discovered Nas. Well, I didn't discover him. He he was on a record, uh, one of my favorite records of all time, a group called The Main Source. They had a, a record called Breaking Adams in 1991, and Nas was on a posse cut on that album called Live at the Barbecue. What I was responsible for ultimately was he was getting a deal that he didn't feel great about, and he asked me to look over his deal, and I was able to get him a better deal uh, and take care of his deal. And, 
you know, make sure that he didn't put 15 songs on his album, that he only put 10 so that he would get paid properly. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it was, you know, really, uh, again, it was a very, I was very blessed and very lucky that Nasir came into my life and that I was able to be involved in something as great as Illmatic. And, um, it was written and, as well as, you know, OC and Word Life and doing Time's Up and the Zebrahead soundtrack with Oliver Stone and Halftime. And, Damn. you know, um, I've just, you know, I've been, you know, again, I've had a lot of great moments in my career, not only behind the mic, but, you know, helping Mark Echo build Echo Unlimited Clothing and going back to Def Jam as an executive and working with Jay-Z and Cisco and Drew Hill and Foxy Brown and Method Man and Redman and getting them, you know, set up at radio and then going to radio and being a radio host and a television host and, you know, having a liquor company, Nouveau, that did really well. So, you know, I've, I've, I've been very blessed to be around a lot of amazing thinkers that have thought outside the box that I've been able to learn from. You know, like Nas is, uh, you know, rhymes there hotter than a prostitute with gonorrhea, right? Oh yeah, no. Question. <laughs> That's without one of my question. favorite lines of all time. <laughs> yeah, this is Nas, kid. You know how it runs. I'm waving automatic guns Wait. at nuns. Yep, sticking up the preachers in the church. I'm a stone crook, serial killer who works by the phone book. Yep. So, yeah, so that that was one of my favorite. You know, when he came back and did that verse, like you know, you just there's certain times that when you hear records as a producer before they even go out where. You just get goosebumps and the back of the, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up and you just go, you know, fuck, the, you know, the impact this record's going to have when people hear it is going to be crazy. Um, it's the same way I, when I first heard Time's Up, when OC came into my office and played Time's Up and I heard you lack the minerals and vitamins, I am the knife and fuck <laughs> who that I have and rappers are back. I'm about to begin about so I'll talk to squawk. Never even walk the walk, more or less destined to be tested, never been arrested. My album will manifest many. I mean, I just, when I heard that, I just lost my shit, you know, lost my shit. So no doubt. I've had uh, I've had a lot of amazing moments. So uh, what are you up to these days? I know you had a radio show. You obviously got a laundry list of shit you've been working on. What's up right now for Search? What's going on? Um. Well, I mean, we have a, uh, my wife and I started. How's, how is Chantel, by company. the way? She's good, man. She's good. Thank that's another. That's another. Uh, that's another good thing, man. You know a good person. You've been with your wife how long? Thirty years. Wow. You know that 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 says a lot 19, these days because nobody. March eighteenth, nineteen eighty-eight. Damn, nobody sticks around these days. You know. Yeah, nah. She had, you know, when Lady Gaga said, you know, I've had a million reasons to leave, but I just need one to stay. You know, my wife had a trillion reasons to leave, and and always had one to stay, and. She's, I mean, I can honestly say that Chantel Ortiz is, you know, a trillion to one, um, how she's held me down and, and been a constant in my life when, you know, so many other people claim that they would be around and, you know, as soon as things went left to right, they went left to right, you know, and she's always been that person. So we decided, you know, to start a production company together, uh, this last year and, uh, we sold our first show right out the bat to, ABC, a documentary. We sold our second show right out to bat to Bun and Murray, uh, a series uh, based on true events. My son wrote a show. We sold that right out the bat. How old uh, your with son? Reginald Hudland. Yeah. So. How old your son? 
22. Wow, and he's already got shit out there? Yeah, he's uh, he's just in the middle of his development deal, so he's doing that. He's actually moving to L.A. in like three months to start production on that. And uh, so, yeah, man, we've been really lucky. And, uh, you know, we also do disruptive video marketing, which is helping companies find alternative ways to get to market, whether that's, you know, they want to find disruptive ways to, you know, break manufacturing or get to consumers or raise funding or all of that. So we have an entire disruptive marketing department, you know, which is our bread and butter. And uh, we work with some amazing companies. Speaking of marketing, uh, I've got Rob Emmer here from uh, my, my very first sponsor. Ver- Say it right. Versteiner beer. Versteiner. Versteiner beer. Um, why don't you, uh, you know, give a little plug to your, what kind of beer you got and what's going on? Yeah, sure. Uh, our company is uh, called Versteiner Brewing. We're out of, uh, um, uh, Warstein, Germany. So our we're we're pushing our Pilsner beer, which is a beautiful, uh, fresh, uh, clean uh, Pilsner, four point eight percent alcohol. It's a world class beer. So yeah. So and then they they're nice enough to uh, be my first sponsor, and uh, they're gonna donate some money to your Kickstarter if uh, if you can stump me. So. Yeah, we're 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 really uh, looking forward to that. So I'm hoping that you can uh, stump uh, uh, Gorilla, and we can uh, get you some money. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, no, that'd be great, man. Thank you, thank you. And uh, you know, please feel free to send us a couple of cases down here in Orlando. Oh, uh, we would love to do I got, that. I know. I got a I got a couple of uh, serious beer drinkers in my crew. So. Well, Varsteiner Pilsner is uh, is uh, certainly a uh, a, a uh, Florida's a big market for us, and uh, so what we would love to do that. Appreciate that. All right, yeah, so, no, uh, no doubt. You want to you want to keep it to uh, just the cactus album and, and derelicts. Whatever, whatever you want. Man. Okay, I'll, so I'll tell you what. Uh, why don't we do this. You you pick the album. Okay, and then I'll spit a lyric and uh, you finish it. Okay. Uh, well, we'll just let's stay. Let's stick with uh, cactus. Okay. Okay. Uh, let me see. Uh, and I know you know the singles, so I'm yeah, gonna try the, to yeah, no, no, the, the singles don't I'm gonna, count. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go deep. I'm gonna try to go to. I'm gonna go deep. I'm gonna try to go deep. Okay, that's what she said. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, young girl steps into the picture. Oh, that not you got? Is that money in your tissue? Nope. No. Fuck. That's Brooklyn Queens. Nope. No. No. Yeah. All right. There, there's there's one hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> we need a so ding. Uh, we need a ding. Steps into the I picture, just, I hand just around, waves, sweat, sweat dripping from moisture, stroking her neck. You suspect that her, she'll voice her approval, whipping and flipping her pelvis. Brother, step in, step off. You get selfish. Yours for the take home, so she can take out space in your place. But then you start to wake up. So that was dance hall, Monty Hall. Oh, okay. Just step into the dance hall. Okay, all right. Okay, there's a hundred. Okay, right. there's a hundred. Yo, I don't really want to. How, how high are we going here? Because you know, well, we I got don't really want to five. Think, you know, we, we got five. We got five hundred here. We're playing for oh. five hundred bucks. Oh, okay, five hundred. Five hundred. Okay. Okay. Plus, right. plus a couple. Ca- so, uh, uh, plus a couple cases yeah. too. No, <laughs> yeah. No. 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 I got it. Okay. Uh, I'll give you an easy one because again, you know, I, I don't want. I don't want to. Uh, Break the bank over there with the beer company. Um, <laughs> we want to help you out every way uh, we can. Okay. So yeah, okay. Um, no one to see this. Boom! I dropped my fluid like a chemist. 
She's insane, and I'm a lame brain. We're doing the wild thing. Yep. The cactus. Okay, <laughs> good. <laughs> good. Well I love played, it. girl. Love it. I love it. Well played, Grillo. Thank good. you. Good. Well played. Well Far played. Beautiful All right. Um, Cheers. <laughs> let's see. Let's see where else I can take you. Um, with the body of a freak on my side, how I'm living. I know how you live in Lodge. I know that's fucking that's stepping to the AM, right? Nope. Oh, ding. <laughs> $200. With the body of a freaker how, on my side, how I'm living, Largey Lodge with the words to of wisdom. wisdom. Fuck. Okay. All right. All right. There's 200. There you go. <laughs> yeah, 200. yeah. It's great. It's great. I love it. I love it. This 200 will only have me 75,000 away from my goal. <laughs> uh, no, we're going to help you with, with that. Come on. Days to go. We'll blow with it up. Seven days to go. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm not worried about it. Okay. The one thing I love about Kickstarter, to be totally honest with you, because people were like, oh, why don't you do Indiegogo? And why don't you do these other ones, you know, crowdfund me where you, you know, get the money regardless. And I'm like, because I don't want to take the money regardless. I really looked at a budget and I really looked at what it would take me to logistically and honestly tell, tell people your idea. I, I think your idea is so great. Why don't you tell people what you want to do? Yeah. Well, the, the idea is, you know, I've heard from people all the time that I'm a great storyteller and, you know, I should tell my stories and, you know, people also tell me all the time that, you know, when am I going to drop a record? You know, there's this tremendous, buzz and feel and it's not buzz on me i mean there's this tremendous feel from guys like you gorillo and people who are our age that still want to hear records from you know brand newbie and big daddy kane you know g rap you know but they don't know where to get this music and they don't know where to find it because the, the, state of like, now, the way the, the things are now the music yeah. sucks out there it's so bad well, agree to disagree. I think it's very much like it was back in the day. You just have to know where to look, but that's besides the point. Yeah. So Sorry. for me, I was like, okay, well, I like to read, but I also like audiobooks, And I like to hear new music. I, lo I mean, I love J. Cole. I love Kendrick. I love Joey Badass. There's plenty of artists that I love, but... You know, I don't know where I can find a new G-Rap record. I don't know where I can find a new Big Daddy Kane record, except for this new record. I don't know if you heard about it, this Top Shelf record, which we can talk about, too. Are you, are you but, trying um, to make fun so of I me there? I decided to combine the two. <laughs> you throw a dig in there? Top Shelf? <laughs> yeah, man, that Top Shelf project's crazy, but we'll talk about well, that. Well, no, but you know that, but anyway. that that's, a, that's, a, that's a big fight I had with Tracy on the air. Like every No, I, I, I know, but okay. this is something different. Yeah. Yeah. So... So basically, um, what I decided to do is combine the two. So I'm going to do an audio book. And at the end of each chapter, there'll be a record connected to each chapter. That's And awesome. it's based on the stories that have happened in my career. And the name of the project is called, Did I Tell You the One About? Um, and we did this Kickstarter. And, uh, you know, it's been amazing. I mean, what's really been amazing is the amount of people that have wanted the project at the levels that they've wanted it. And, um, it's been great. Um, but also, you know, doing marketing, you learn things along the way and, you know, the long and short of it is Grillo. We did some things right. And we did some things wrong. And, you know, we had great people, you know, Chris Rock did a, a Instagram and quest love did an Instagram and Moshe Kasher, all these people did great, you know, plugs. And, uh, but we, you know, we fell short. 
you know, we got like, uh, I don't know, like 17 days and like 75,000. So the beautiful thing is, and what we tell people is that, you know, December 1st, we don't make it. Everybody gets their money back. And, and that's the way I wanted to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't want to be in a situation where if I did another program and I made $7,000, I'd have to deliver a $70,000 project for $7,000. It just wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. So I wanted to be fair to the fans and I wanted to be fair to the people who wanted the project, but I had to be also fair to myself and say, you know what, if I'm going to take two months off and this is what it costs for book production and vinyl production and cassette production and, you know, radio and, and getting in the studio, not radio studio and mixing and mastering. This is the minimum. And that minimum number was $80,000 and we make it great. We don't great. It is what it is. I, but you know I, 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 I want the book. I want, I, I want to get the book. I, you know, I like, there's got to be like, you, you, there is not like a record. First of all, again, typical search. It's something, you know, innovative. No one else has done before. And I, there's no other book company out there that's smart enough to pick this up. No, no, no. They, dude, I've gotten plenty of offers from other book companies. That yeah. has not been the issue. Okay. The issue is in book companies. I don't want to do it through a book company. Yeah. Because that means three things. One, it means that I have to give away 50% of my book, which I'm not doing. Two, it means I have to take an advance. And not only take an advance, I'm put on a schedule that the book company has. So let's say I finish it in six weeks. Well, that book might not come out for two and a half years based on their, their schedule. Yeah. And I don't want that shit either. And C is I don't want my music on the shelf. You know, what people don't realize is the Cactus album sat on Def Jam shelf for two and a half years before it came out. Right. Like, I don't want that shit. Like, I want to put out my music. And I want to put out my shit when I want to put out my shit. And if I can't do it that way, like, I'd just rather not do it. And I'll figure out another way to do it. And it's okay. Like, I have no ego about it. Like, I have no sense of urgency. You know, I'll figure it out. You know yeah. what I mean? But that's what I had to do. And that this is, you know, logistically what I had to do. And, you know, I'm sure your, your, you know, your sponsor can tell you the same thing. Like they can't launch a product unless they know exactly what they're putting out and what they're getting back in. And, you know, it's with anything, like when we built Echo Unlimited, like you can't put out $10 million worth of inventory if you don't have $10 million worth of inventory. How deep are you, you know, in Echo? Are you, you still involved? Um, well, yeah, on the complex side, you know, Echo became complex and Rich Antonello and Mark and I talk pretty consistently about um, their platform and, and what they're doing. And, you know, I love Mark. He, you know, he, he still writes about me and talks about our relationship, which was really special. And growing that company was, you know, again, I've been involved in things that have been once in a lifetime. Uh, and, you know, Echo went from $163,000 when I got involved to $1.5 million to seven years later when I left, we were at $950 million. Damn it, bro. Um, you know, yeah. Um, and the same thing with Nouveau. Nouveau Liquor, when I started that in 2007, we were at 60 cases a month. And after I did my integration, we were at 60,000 cases a month. And we That's sold very it impressive. to yeah. Diageo. And, you know, we sold it to Diageo in 2010 for $176 million. So, you know, it's just, it's, I've been very blessed to be around people that are, outside the box thinkers. Um, and you know, I'm not, it's not just me. It's, it's always a team. It's always a, a great amount of energy and a great amount of people that, you know, just work nonstop. 
Yeah, I have a, I have a friend here. He just uh, he just came in a little late. My, this is my friend John. He uh, has something in common with you. Um, he's a, a white person that played in. Uh, uh, but he played with Public Enemy for a couple of years. <laughs> he's one of the few white people to play with Public Enemy. <laughs> well, there's oh, other people too. Obviously, absolutely. No, definitely. I've always dug your work, man. I mean, I mean, I kind of I'm a bass player, and I kind of came around more so in the uh, the early 2000s. You know, when Chuck came out with his uh, Slam Jams out, uh, Slam Jams label. You know, so uh, so definitely after uh, after your regime. You know, with the uh, with Def Jam and everything. So, but always uh, always been a fan of your work, man. I I, I remember hearing. Um, I mean, I kind of grew up more like on the rock side initially, you know. So, uh, so I remember hearing hearing Sledgehammer was <laughs> one of the samples. I'm like, hey, I remember, that. I know that, you know. So, it was, so that's how I kind of became familiar with uh, with your work too. Was uh, you know, was like some of the creativity behind your tracks, you know. Well, thank you, John. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, and, and you know, I think that was so amazing about, you know, the Slam Jams era with G-Wiz and mm -hmm. everything that, you know, um, Chuck was doing with Anthrax. And, you know, I think he he had a, had a great vision, you know, even with, with his project now with Tom Morella and, and yeah. you know, and uh, Be Real. I think it's, you know, I think what he's doing is amazing. No, absolutely, yeah, I mean, man. So. Who's your favorite thing? What's yeah. your favorite thing out there right now? Who's, uh, who's, who's uh, scratching your itch? I think probably number one for me is J. Cole. I think it's like one and one A. Joey Badass, American Badass is probably my favorite record of the year. Um, but Kendrick is up there too. I would think, but J. Cole's last album, oh, it's, you know, he's just brilliant. And um, I love that record. I love, actually, you know, I just heard the new Little Wayne record. That shit is fucking brilliant. Really? Like Wayne, oh, he stepped his game up crazy. Like lyrically, he's a beast. You know, you... He's definitely one of these dudes that like just really cares about the content of what he's saying and how he's saying it. He's just really witty and really smart and, you know, conscientious of what he's saying. I like Kamikaze. I liked M's album. I thought M's album was also really, really good. Um, Liked, uh, I like White Bronco 3, uh, 2, Action Bronson's new project. I love that mixtape. That shit is crazy. Um, what else have I been listening to lately? What do you about think about these kids um, tattooing their face and shit like that? <laughs> I mean, you know, listen. Question. I mean, when Mike Tyson did it, I thought it was some crazy shit. Now Mike Tyson looks normal. Yeah. I mean, yo, listen. Like, you know, like, I don't care. I mean, listen. Tattoo wherever you want. I don't, you know, listen, what people do is none of my business. Like, it's none of my business. I don't care. Like, as long as you're not, you know, touching my children, we're good. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you know, so, I, you know, every, to each his own, man. To each his own. But are they trying to be harder than they, they really are? Is it like something that they're pushing, like an envelope? They're trying to be tough because half of them look like you can smack them with a wet noodle and they'd go down. Again, I don't, you know what? Can't call it. Don't know. And, and to be honest with you, Grillo, don't know, don't care. Like, yeah. I'm around a lot of these kids. Like, you know, I do work with a lot of these young artists, Migos and, and Young Thug. And, you know, you think you, you think you hear one thing and then you get around them and it's a totally different thing. But, you know, I worked on three different projects with Rick Ross. And, yo, that, that motherfucker is, like, that's some real shit that he deals with. Like, yeah. you know, you're around him and you feel that energy. That's That's some real shit you know, that you're around, like, and, you know, he, 
brings that around him. And the opposite is, you know, T.I. was in one place in his life before his best friend was killed. And now you deal with T.I. and it's like walking into like, you know, Goldman Sachs. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a totally different element. Uh, and each artist kind of deals with and, and comes with their own emotional and their own kind of spiritual baggage, you know, because that's where the music comes from. It's where it emanates from. Yeah, yo, I heard that crazy story that you had with the uh, uh, was that Wild Bill or Little Bill? What was his name? Bill, Ill Bill, Ill, Ill Bill. Bill. That, I, I yeah. heard that story. That yeah. has got to be one of the sickest stories I've ever heard. Well, that's why I want to do, and that's why I want to do the book. You know, because you know, you tell these stories, and they're seven minute stories because you're limited on radio. But that story is like fucking, you know, six hours long. Like yeah. that shit was crazy. You know that. So there's even more to it. And I more just, to it. And it's not just, you know, it's not just like being cathartic and just like vomiting like words out because you need to fill space. Like there was so much that was going on that night that like, I, I swear to God, I thought like, you know, fucking candid camera was going to pop out any moment. Like I thought Alan Funt was in yeah. the trunk. Like, <laughs> you know, like it was crazy, you know, yeah. and I wasn't high and I wasn't like stoned and like I was just chilling and I'm like watching all this shit unravel. I'm like, where the fuck am I? But the funny thing is he's, <laughs> like, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, crazy. he's a little person. So that makes it that much more fun. Oh yeah. No, it, it, not only did it make it fun, but you know, Bill is a, he's, you know, he's a smart dude and he's also a religious dude. Like he, he knows the Bible by verse. Like he, he has a great understanding of who he is. And that's what made it even crazier because, you know, he's, you know, at one point doing one thing. And then on the other side, we're like all the way on the, you know, way left of that shit. How did you guys not you get know, stuck? And, and, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I was going to say, how did you guys not get stuck in the middle of that whole West Coast, East Coast thing? Because that, that was, like, right around the time. Like, like you like you guys weren't, like, a part of that whole, I hate you, I hate me, you know, you're the, we're better, we're better. It seemed like you guys were smart enough to stay out of that. Well, no, we were just, well, first of all, we were out of it by then. Third base was done. I mean, we were out of it. But, you know, Tupac was my guy. And I got to hang out with guy, him once. Like, he, was so, he was so nice. He was, like, the, one of the nicest celebrities I've ever met. Is that when he was dating Madonna and he brought Madonna to the uh, to the to uh, Howard? No, I or is that I, I almost had him. It's I I, I told this story once. It's actually pretty cool. I worked at a nightclub, and him and Mickey Rourke were shooting a movie. Um, and every Friday and Saturday, Mickey and Tupac would come in, and I was in charge of the VIP ropes. And this is before Howard even you know he was never on Howard, and so. Now, when someone has thug life tattooed on their stomach, I kind of tend to think, why are you promoting yourself as a criminal? So when he got there, I was like, fuck this guy, you know? But it was definitely my first real never judge a book by cover moment in my life because he, like, you know, he had to come to me to get a waitress. He had to come to me to, you know, to make sure that everything was cool. And he, if he wanted to let people in, I had, he had to come to me. So everything was please and thank you. How are you? Nice to see you, man. And he signed everybody's autograph. He took pictures with everybody. And every week it chipped away at me because I was like, fuck, he's really nice. Why is he nice? I wanted to hate him so bad, Serge. And, <laughs> nah, and then, he's a good dude. And, and, and may he rest in peace. No like, doubt. He, he he's a good dude and he just got he got caught up in some dumb shit yeah but, i mean you know my wife and i would talk about it all the time when we were on the road with him 
you know, we would freestyle like me, him and Shock G from Digital Underground. Any hotel that had a piano in it, Shock would play piano and me and Tupac would freestyle till four o'clock in the morning until literally until Shock G's fingers would like cramp up. Wow. Um, and we would just rhyme. We would just be rhyming, just rhyming about how much we love the culture and how much we love each other, like how much fun we're having. Like it was just, it was good shit. And he was, you know, during this whole East Coast, West Coast shit, I was in a palladium and I saw him and yo, what up? What up? You good? You good? Yeah. How's Chantel? Good. How you? Good. How's your mom? Good. 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 Yeah. Now, and it was, and he was in New York during that whole East Coast, West Coast shit. And he was chilling. You know, yeah. I think people made a lot of, lot of out of nothing. Um, but yeah. Yeah. But, so um, he, he was the, that was the first time I ever smoked chronic and it smelled so fucking good. And I, I went to him, I said, Yo, man, oh, yo, that's the that's the best weed fucking I ever smelled. And he was like, yo, nigga, I didn't know you smoke. And then every time the blunt went around, he made sure that I got it. You know, that I was part of the, the nice. Puff Puff give. So then finally, one day, I just went, yo, Pac. I said, yo, uh, you, you listen to Howard Stern? He goes, yo, yo, Howard Stern's my nigga, yo. I go, do you want to come on the show? I work on the show. And he goes, yo, and I, you know how he spoke. He goes, yo, I'll give you my number right now. So I had him. I had him booked as a uh, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, like maybe probably nineteen ninety three, ninety four, and he. I said, Gary, why don't we have him on as a mystery guest? And he was like, This is great. So that morning it was like I was so excited because I'm going to be on the air with the Tupac on the Howard Stern show. It's going to be legendary. And um, his manager called up and was like, Ah, I'm sorry, I booked Pac an early flight. I didn't tell him. He's pissed at me. Please take my apologies. And can he come back on Monday? And you could hear like Pac in the background screaming, "Apologize to that motherfucker!" And so he had it, he had it rebooked for Monday. But that's he flew, he flew back from Atlanta on Friday, and then Saturday that was the first time he got shot. Oh Jesus! So we, I never saw him again. Yeah, it's too bad. Yeah, it's too bad. Well, so, yeah, I remember being he was uh, at Saturday Night Live when he was dating Madonna. Uh, that's what I thought. I didn't know if it was Howard or Shine Live, but you know, he was with Madonna at the time and um I I was pretty cool with like Adam Sandler and Chris Farley, may rest in peace. And yeah. that was one of the nights that me and a homeboy of mine went up there and he was with um Madonna and like I guess he was gonna perform and she went she came down to hold him down and I remember her just sitting quietly like, you know, his ride or die chick and I was like, This is the most bug shit Ever like Madonna is Tupac's ride or die right now. Like, wow, crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, search. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I don't want to keep you. I know you have another phone call, but before we go, I want to talk about um, the other new sponsor that they have. Um, it, it's uh, it's a podcast series is sponsored by the best group of advisors I have ever seen in action. The DCL firm. <laughs> the DCL firm provides uh, legal advisory services for businesses. They have resolved over a hundred million in business uh, disputes. For, um, so basically, if you got a business dispute with somebody, you go to DCL and they're going to get your money for you. Okay, people are banging down their doors right now. So I would get in there as soon as possible because they're one of the top consulting firms in New York City. So they do from like front uh, front office like sales and growth, back of the office like bookkeeping, accounting, and payroll, uh, um, and legal for business contracts and business claims, business disputes in court, out of court, whatever you want. DCL firm is one of the best people. They're, they're the best firm out there. If they're gonna, they're like pit bulls. They were gonna go out and they're gonna get your money. So if you don't believe me, go to DCLTestimonies.com 
and you can find out exactly how awesome they are. They will knock down doors for you. They will take care of everything. The DCL Group, you can call them at 212-500-1891. I also have to put a disclaimer. This is an attorney advertising, and that prior results do not guarantee future performances. But the DCL Group, they're very good friends of mine, and they are tenacious. They are like a bum on a sandwich. (laughs) <laughs> I, 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 need, I need to. I need to get in touch with them. I, I got some issues, so I'm definitely gonna definitely reach out to those dudes. For yeah, sure. no, they 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 got back over a hundred million dollars so far. So they they know what they're doing. DCL testimony testimonials dot com. You can go find that out for yourself, or you can call them at two one two five hundred eighteen ninety one. My boys at DSL, they will get your money back. They will take care of your business disputes, and they that they offer a lot more other services that uh. You know, you want uh, advising and consulting, they're the people to go to. DCLtestimonials.com. Check them out. Um, the DCL firm. And uh, Versteiner Beer is here. Barsteiner. 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 Drinking beautiful beers. I love how this is going down. Like, I can meet with some dude to get my paper and then and then salute with a beer, like Grellsteiner <laughs> Beer. Like, I love how this whole shit is going down. Get my paper, get a beer. Yeah. Get my paper, get a beer. Yeah. <laughs> you got the whole shit locked down. It's I'm trying, beautiful. bro. I'm trying. I'm trying to do something with this. And uh, I, I want to thank everybody over here at Pro Media for uh, this awesome studio uh, that they they graciously let me use. They have such a great service over here. You need, like, post-production. You need to get your fucking mix on. You need to get your colorization. And you can rent this podcast studio. It's not just for me. You can call them up and you speak to Chad, Pro Media and Chad. You can rent the studio. And uh, we were supposed to have the cameras up, but they had a little bit of software problem. I apologize for that. But, um, yeah, Pro Media and, and, and all the music provided by My World and John Montabano and Chris Munger. We want to thank them. And uh, I want to thank you, Serge. You are awesome. This is like mind-blowing interview. And I'm so like uh, overwhelmed that you would even talk to me, bro. Ah, it's my pleasure, Grillo. And, and thank you for seven years of comedy and, and definitely a lot of beef with Howard, man. I don't know. It was just fun. It was fun listening to you. And, and I wish you all the best. With the podcast, I can't wait to hear it uh, when it comes out. And, uh, you know, for all of the people listening, uh, make sure you go to mcsearchbook.com, S-E-R-C-H book.com, and uh, invest in the Kickstarter because at this point, you could invest $20,000 and you're getting it back in 15 days. It's over. <laughs> so um, uh, you got but, Twitter, uh, and Facebook, uh, Instagram? Yeah, it's all MC Search. Okay, Simple. cool. S-E-R-C-H, no way. Yo, can we, uh, can, we, can, we, can we kick it off with uh, one of my favorite songs? Absolutely. I slow to open, a long clock spoken. I'm stepping out the bivin in a booty line spoken. Stick a 40 to my lips, a sips and a guzzle. A 40 dope breakfast of champs and ate a puzzle. Grips on my feet and fell out the rest. I meet MC Dope Incredible and DJ Fresh. They got a demo, feeding from my headphones. So I throw it in the system and it's so-so. That's it, man. That's all I got. <laughs> no, let me say something. I, lo- I love that. I love that you went to herbals. I love that you went to herbals. That's, what, that's, that's, I, I, I memorized I like that. that song the moment I heard it. I just listened to it over and over and over and over and over again. I, I, you know, just remember, weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. <laughs> no, they don't. Yo, Serge, thank you so much. You just like This is like a bucket list shit right here. Thank you, man. Thank you for and, having uh, me. I appreciate get it. Get my info from Pumice, and uh, we'll, 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 we'll stay in touch that way. 
And I got to get your address yep, for the I, for the beer. Yes, absolutely. We definitely yeah, will get your sure. address. And, <laughs> it's such a pleasure <laughs> uh, talking my, with my you. Boy, my boy's temper 3000, and my man Todd is definitely like looking at me like, yo, get the beer down here real quick. <laughs> yo, <laughs> and, and my cousin we'll Jimmy. make sure we blow it up down here in Orlando. My cousin Jimmy it. wanted to give you a shout-out. So now I said it. There you go, cuz. Yeah, you search just heard your name. Now we can end the All show. Right, Jimmy. Thank you, Jimmy. No yeah, yeah. Face for Jimmy. There you go. Cool. Peace. 